Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala ashrafil mursaleen. Nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Amma ba'd. Alhamdulillah. We are starting a new series. I think the last one was pre-lockdown. And then we had something during the month of Ramadan. So, Alhamdulillah, this has been a long time coming and we apologize. There was uh, a little bit of laziness on my part. I should have began this immediately after the month of Ramadan. Uh, but, you know, this is the nature of this lockdown. You, uh, routines have, have changed and it's very difficult to bring yourself back up to what you were doing uh, pre-COVID. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep us steadfast uh, in these trials. Uh, so the first thing uh, to remind ourselves of is the great blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The many blessings, Iman and Islam and Quran and the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. All of these are great blessings. And then the ability to attend the masajid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and offer salah. Uh, we take these things very lightly and uh, their weight will only know, be known on the day of Qiyamah. And then after offering Salah, you know, having the blessing and the ability to sit in a gathering where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioned. And therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions uh, each and every person in this gathering to the angels. And at the very least, you are guaranteed that at the end of this gathering, all of your sins, minor sins, are forgiven. And this is at the very least. Uh, many other benefits. Like Rasulullah said, uh, we mentioned this hadith a few days ago. Um, it's meaning that on the day of Qiyamah, certain people will be, uh, their faces will be enlightened. And they, they will be made to sit on pulpits of pearl. This is a day when the majority of humanity will be naked, thirsty, and hungry with no shadow of their, over uh, their heads and the sun brought close by. A group of people, Rasulullah said, will be envied and they are not messengers, neither are they martyrs, but rather there are people from different backgrounds who gathered for the sake of Allah to remember Allah. So the blessing is uh, immense. Um, this is the merit of the gathering. Uh, secondly, uh, it's always important to remind ourselves of the intentions that we are sitting with the intention to learn the deen of Allah, to act on the deen of Allah and to propagate the deen of Allah. These are the intentions, right? To learn, and in order to learn, one has to listen attentively. Not to the speaker, but rather to the words that are being spoken. Why? Because they are ultimately the word, words of Allah, the words of His Messenger. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So through that, if we sit with this intention or these intentions and uh, pay attention Shaitan comes, <laughs> you know, 
with a special type of surma, they say, kuhl. As soon as the Sheikh starts Bismillah wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulullah, a few moments you see <laughs> heads begin to doze off. You know? <laughs> One, two, three. And they say, brother, this is Sakina. It's not Sakina. Right? This is not Sakina. This is Shaitan doing what? Putting you to sleep because he wants to minimize the benefit. Yeah? So we fight that inshallah and we try to be attentive. Um, Allah says, The first condition um, to be able to act on what is said is to listen attentively. Inshallah. Okay, so uh, inshallah we'll be covering this uh, book authored by Al Imam Al Dhahabi. This is a great scholar uh, born in the sixth century towards the end of the sixth century um, his name is uh, Shamsuddin this is Shamsuddin is is a title Abu Abdullah Muhammad Ibn Ahmad uh, that is his name uh, he was born in uh, what is now Sham Dimashq uh, and his father was uh, his father worked in in the uh, in gold right so he was known as Ibn al-Dhahabi, the son of uh, the man who deals in gold. And then it appears that he himself learned the trade and, and did some of that work. So he adopted that name and he was given that name. Uh, he is known as Imam al-Dhahabi, rahmatullahi alayhi. A great scholar, uh, began his studies at the age of eight and studied uh, firstly in his own uh, city, Dimashq, and then traveled around in Syria eventually, uh, in Sham, sorry, uh, Palestine and the major cities uh, of Sham, um, and also traveled to Egypt, and also traveled to Mecca, to Al-Mukabrama, and Medina, and took knowledge from different scholars. Um, he is an expert in Qira'at, the different recitals of the Quran. We know that Quran was revealed according to uh, seven Ahruf, and there are many recitals. Um, recitals meaning different ways that Quran is pronounced. That does not change in essence the meaning of the Quran. So this is how Allah intended for Quran to be revealed. And uh, it was to make it easy for the different um, Arabian, one of the reasons, to make it easy for the different Arabian tribes because they have different dialects. And all of them did not understand or necessarily speak the dialect of Quraysh. So Allah revealed it in different ways so they can also understand. And it's mainly the differences are in pronunciation, you know, where to lengthen and where to shorten. And sometimes, you know, uh, certain words are slightly different. For example, uh, Maliki becomes Maliki, um, but it does not change the meanings in any way. He was an expert in Qiraat, and this is one of the first um, fields that he uh, engaged himself in and took interest in and then following that hadith uh, hadith meaning listening to hadith and seeking the knowledge of hadith which was a um, a field of expertise of its own in the past right now people do islamic studies they cover everything a little bit of everything some tafsir some fiqh some also fiqh some hadith but in the past you had to go to specific people to learn a specific um, science 
and he wrote uh, many many books himself mashallah in qiraat in hadith compilations um, also uh, in the science of hadith he wrote in aqidah fiqh uh, jurisprudence uh, in usul al-fiqh he wrote um, in the subject of raqaq uh, raqaiq which are the uh, relating to the feelings of the heart okay the love of allah and fear of allah and things of that sort he wrote in that subject also in in history um, biographies and and uh, general history um, um, he wrote um, a book on that and uh, subhanallah and, and the reason uh, we have to mention obviously um, this is to remind ourselves of when you make akhirah your goal then you can accomplish great things just like the people of dunya people of dunya they make dunya their goal they sacrifice and they begin they begin step by step and eventually they become owners of amazon and google and facebook and all of this um, right uh, multi-million corporations um, this is the the sunnah of the world and the sunnah of allah Azzawajal, that you make an effort allah will give you what happens is when we hear that a person who lived 70 years gained all of this knowledge and compiled all of these books you think to yourself ya allah how did he do it now he did it because that was a priority right um, and uh, you know I, I i would urge uh, brothers and sisters to sometime read the you know short biographies of some of the great scholars like imam al-zahabi imam ibn kathir imam al-ghazali the muhaddithin the a'imma arba'a imam malik imam abu hanifa imam shafi'i imam ahmad ibn hanbal uh, imam al-ghazali rahmatullah alayhi all of these great scholars read about their lives allahu akbar you know some of them were so engaged in uh, uh, in the knowledge that they would not take a meal somebody would have to feed them uh, somebody sitting in front of them and they're feeding them and they just occupied one of the ulama said that uh, um, you know I, I i concentrated so much on protecting my time that i i actually did not did not like to spend time with people because that took me away from my tasks of writing and reading and so on teaching but he said you know we're human and people wanted to have you know social contacts and you know people want to come and speak so he said i had tasks to do even when people came to visit me like he would sharpen his pens and prepare the ink things where he does not need to mentally uh, you know tasks that are required for his uh, uh, for his uh, uh, writing and compiling of knowledge but did not require much of his attention so when people came he would prepare his paper his pens his ink and so on and so forth and we alhamdulillah had a lockdown and plenty of time you know ask ourselves did we memorize one ayah did we memorize one hadith and then we say that we want akhirah and we want jannah so 
one of the one of the poets said uhibbu salihina wa lastu minhum asallahu an yarzuqani salaha that i love righteous people and i know i am not righteous as they are i know that i am not amongst them but i hope that through my love for them allah will grant me righteousness and you can only love them if you engage with their writings you know and 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 live their lives wallahi alazim i know it's it's a, it's not an easy task in our world this is from i and i'm saying this from personal experience it's not an easy task you have so many things and so many things readily available on your device it's much easier to just you know put uh, mufti mink uh, talk and just relax and listen right uh, it's easy it's convenient uh, but there is something in reading that if you take the habit of it read the life of rasulullah sallam read the life of sahaba great sahaba um, you will find that you know uh, you learn lessons from their lives you are entertained with something that is beneficial for you and more importantly you begin to almost sense their presence you know there is a feeling of connection when you read um, something that is written by uh, by a scholar and they're speaking to you and they say for example uh, the the traditional scholars have a way of saying uh, my brother and 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 it is as if they're giving you nasiha and all of this gap this thousand year gap between you and this person is removed and it is as if you're sitting with that person and he's telling you do this and do not do that for if you do this this is the outcome and if you do that that will be the outcome so uh, you know we should make an effort inshallah to read right he says bismillahir rahmanir rahim alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin all praises due to allah lord of the words wala udwana illa ala adh-dhalimin was salatu was salam ala nabiyyina muhammadin sayyidil mursalin wa imamil muttaqin um, he praises uh, our uh, messenger muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam who is the leader of messengers and the leader of the righteous and the pious wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in amma ba'du فهذا كتاب مشتمل على ذكر جمل جمل في الكبائر والمحرمات والمنهيات. He says this is a book uh, that compiles the um, major sins and things that have been made forbidden by Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. And then he goes on to um, give a definition to what is kabira. What is kabira? What is a major sin? He says, مَنَهَ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ عَنْهُ فِي الْكِتَابِ وَالسُنَّةِ وَالْأَثَرِ عَنِ السَّلَفِ الصَّالِحِينَ Kabira is everything, every sin that Allah has made for, uh, prohibited and forbidden. And likewise, in Rasulullah has made forbidden and prohibited, whether that is found in the Qur'an or the Sunnah, or if it is found in the, um, uh, in the teachings of the Salihin, the, the righteous people of the past. And Allah has guaranteed in His book, in the Quran, Allah has guaranteed in Tajtanibu That the person who avoids major sins, Allah will forgive their minor sins. If you refrain from the major prohibitions, Allah says, we will expiate 
your minor sins. Automatically, So he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken upon himself through this verse and these and such verses that he will he has guaranteed paradise for the person who refrains from major sins. Paradise is guaranteed for that person. This is a promise from Allah. Um, Allah Azza wa Jal says in another verse, those who refrain from major sins and shameful acts. And when they become angry, they are forgiving. In another verse in Surah Al Najm, those who refrain from major sins and fawahish, shameful acts, except for the slight sins, the small sins. Then Allah says, إِنَّ رَبَّكَ وَاسِعُ الْمَغْفِرَةِ Verily, your Lord is oft forgiving. So He's guaranteeing forgiveness for those who refrain from major sins. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, الصَّلَوَاتُ الْخَمْسُ وَالْجُمُعَةُ إِلَى الْجُمُعَةِ وَرَمَضَانُ إِلَى رَمَضَانُ مُكَفِّرَاتٌ لِمَا بَيْنَهُنَّ إِذَا اجْتَنَبَ الْكَبَائِرِ For the brothers who don't understand Arabic, I apologize. But I feel that, you know, when you say things in Arabic, you're in closer contact with what was said with by Rasulullah or what was said by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we'll always aim to translate the meaning meanings inshallah. So Rasulullah said, the five prayers and Jumu'ah to Jumu'ah and Ramadan to Ramadan will expiate everything that happened in between them, meaning the sins as long as a person refrains from major sins. So you prayed Fajr, time for Dhuhr came, you have not committed a major sin, all your minor sins have been removed. Time for Asr came, you prayed Asr, between Dhuhr and Asr you did not commit a major sin, all of your minor sins are forgiven. Then Jumu'ah to Jumu'ah, then Ramadan to Ramadan, so it happens five times daily, and then it happens once weekly, and then it happens once yearly. Allah removes the effect and the minor sins. So he says, since this is the promise of Allah and the teaching of Rasulullah then it is incumbent upon us to search and understand what are the major sins because without knowing them, how can we refrain from them? And he says, this is the purpose of uh, this uh, book. So it is incumbent upon us to search um, in relation to the major sins. What are they? So that all Muslims refrain from these major sins to be guaranteed paradise and forgiveness from Allah. So he says, in this search, we find that ulama, may Allah has, have mercy on them. You know when ulama are mentioned, they have worked so hard. Yes, it is guidance from Allah and tawfiq from Allah. But ulama have worked so hard for us to sit here today, 2020, in London, Finchley, and you are hearing, Qala Allah, Qala Rasulullah. You know, sometimes you think, if we were in these centuries, and it was our responsibility to convey the knowledge, <laughs> what would the people in 2021 gain? 
Uh, what will they have? So since they've made so much sacrifice, it is the etiquette that when ulama are mentioned, you say rahmatullahi alayhim. May Allah have mercy on their soul. And this is why he says rahimahumullah. We find that ulama amongst themselves, they disagree in relation to the major sins. What are they? So one uh, opinion is that there are only seven major sins. And they use as evidence the hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi That Rasulullah said, refrain from the seven heinous sins. فَذَكَرَ مِنْهَا And he mentioned الشِّرْكُ بِاللَّهِ Associating a partner to Allah وَالسِّحْرُ Magic وَقَتْلُ النَّفْسِ الَّتِي حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ And taking life, murder, without due right وَأَكْلُ مَالِ الْيَتِيمِ And to take possession of the wealth of the orphan Right? It's a form of stealing but it's even worse when you are stealing from somebody who does not have the strength to fight. وَأَكْلُ الرِّبَا Usury and riba. وَالتَّوَلِّي يَوْمَ الزَّحْفِ And to turn your back to the enemy in battle. وَقَذْفُ الْمُحْصَنَاتِ الْغَافِلَاتِ الْمُؤْمِنَاتِ This is the seventh. Is to falsely accuse um, righteous believing women of obviously uh, adultery or fornication to accuse them and to speak ill of them these are seven Rasulullah mentioned these seven so because of that some ulama said these are seven major sins then Imam Ibn Dhabi says however Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma who is the great scholar and the cousin of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam Hibrul Ummah known as the the ink of of the Ummah uh, great knowledge given to him by Allah and that was through the dua of Rasulullah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said um, Rasulullah said that oh Allah teach him the meanings of the Quran so he, he Ibn Abbas عنهما, uh, was a leading scholar in many of the Islamic sciences however Quran Tafsir of Quran will come yes yes so Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma said that هي إلى السبعين أقرب منها إلى السبع Major sins are most, most likely closer to 70 rather than 7 you know, refuting the opinion that major sins are only 7 and there's an, many examples of this where Rasulullah says the right an example of this in Jumu'ah we said he says the right of a Muslim over his Muslim brother are 6 and he mentions salam and visiting the sick and giving nasiha and uh, following the janazah and accepting invitation and to say yarhamukallah when a person says alhamdulillah but this doesn't mean these are the only six rights there are many other rights of a muslim brother however when rasulullah says six uh, there will be reasons for that he's emphasizing the most common ones or the most important ones and then he says, وَصَدَقَ وَاللَّهِ ibn Abbas." So he mentions the opinion of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu that uh, the major sins are most likely closer to 70 than they are 7. 
And then he says, and I find that Ibn, I swear by Allah that Ibn Abbas is truthful. Now, he has told us his position, that he reckons that major sins are much more than 70, and perhaps, uh, much more than 7, and perhaps 70. So now he has to what? Respond to the evidence of the group of people who say, well, Rasulullah said seven heinous sins. How can you say they are 70? Or more or less? So he says, وَأَمَّا الْحَدِيثُ فَمَا فِيهِ حَصْرٌ لِلْكَبَائِرِ This hadith did not come to limit the kabair. You know, in contracts now, you have all of these things, and he says, what? Do not think that this is just an outline of our agreement, but there will be many things <laughs> that are not in that contract. Yes? So likewise, that this hadith did not, was not said by Rasulullah to limit the seven, uh, the, the major sins to seven, but rather um, these are the, uh, the ones that Rasulullah wanted to emphasize. Now, how do you define major sin? He says that any sin for which there is a capital punishment in Sharia in this world. For example, murder and adultery or fornication and stealing. So this is one category that defines a major sin. Number two, أو جاء فيه وعيد في الآخرة من عذاب وغضب أو تهديد أو لعن أو لعن فاعله على لسان النبي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم فإنه كبيرة. So any sin for which Allah has prescribed capital punishment in this world, and any sin regarding which there is a specific warning of punishment. Specific warning of punishment for a sin that will be considered major. For example, Rasulullah says, he says, either it is punishment or warning of the anger of Allah or a threat of punishment or of the curse of Allah. So for example, Rasulullah um, if he says, the curse of Allah is on the person who does this, that action becomes what? Major sin. If Rasulullah specifies and says, whoever does this action, he will be punished like so, this is a major sin. If Rasulullah says, whoever does this action, Allah will be angry with him, this is a major sin. Okay, so this is the definition. Any sin for which there is capital punishment, or there is warning, specific warning of punishment, or anger, or uh, curse that has been taught to us by Rasulullah However, he says, we have to accept that some major sins, even major sins within themselves, they have what? Levels. And some are considered greater than others. Because Rasulullah has considered and uh, counted shirk associating partners with Allah amongst the major sins. And we know that shirk is such a sin that if a person dies while committing shirk, 
they are not to be forgiven and they will be in hellfire for eternity but that is not the case for the person who is a murderer or a person who drinks alcohol right there is no such uh, teaching in in islam that the person who commits zina is going to remain in jahannam eternally no so but because the person who does shirk and commits shirk has been promised hellfire eternally it shows that in sins the major are separated from the minor and then in the major there will be some that are separated from the rest uh, and the biggest one of them is um, a shirk and he begins by saying al-kabiratul ula and um, the first chapter is in relation to the first major sin he will list 70 according to his own uh, understanding and opinion uh, he will list 70 in this book for each one he will um, we will go through a chapter where he will evidence bring evidence from the Quran and the ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam because that is the only way to know through the definition what did we say the def definition is of kabira of a major sin any sin that is for which there is capital punishment and there is warning of what punishment curse or anger of Allah right so how are you going to know where this warning where is this warning going to come from Quran or Rasulullah if Allah does not warn and Rasulullah does not warn specifically about a sin then it cannot be considered the major sin okay you can't come to a conclusion just through your mind yeah it has to be from the Quran or the Sunnah so he says Al-Kabiratul Ula the first major sin Ash-Shirku Billah associating partners with Allah and then he says Fa'akbarul Kabair Ash-Shirku Billah the biggest of the major sins the greatest of the major sins is associating partners with Allah and it is of two types number one is to associate a partner to Allah that he worship alongside Allah a God that is worshipped alongside Allah so you worship Allah but you say also this one whether that is uh, a stone, a human being, the sun, the moon, a prophet, messenger, a sheikh, a star, an angel, anything or anyone to worship anyone other than Allah or alongside Allah. Okay, so try to understand this different forms of shirk. Number one. That you say absolutely this is the shirk of Quraysh. Allah exists, but Allah has associates and we are worshipping these idols in order to get closer to Allah. This is shirk. One says Allah doesn't exist. I'm worshipping the sun. The sun created everything. Or I'm worshipping the moon or the stars. 
this is shirk now in the past people did not uh, did not what did not what let's see if people are present with me with their minds ah. no huh they did not know they did not know yes yes this is a form of shirk there is a type of shirk that will not be mentioned here no there is a type of shirk that you will not find in classical study of shirk no that is also mentioned denying atheism we cannot say that it did not exist at all but it's not a common belief in the past this is why he does not address it people in all previous uh, communities and generations and regardless of where they lived and how they lived all held some sort of belief in relation to existence how it came about and what is the purpose of this existence everyone held this belief it is mankind <laughs> after uh, thousands of years we have come along and said actually we know better than all of you and all of that was nonsense uh, you know there is no creator there is no purpose in life and we just came like this now what am i said this is also shirk because you have denied what is you have denied Allah what was due to him to accept that he is the creator to accept that he is the provider by doing that you are making shirk even if you say we came from nothing you have made shirk because you have ascribed existence to nothingness that nothingness created so you are mushrik okay anyway he says that there are two types of shirk one is that you worship something alongside allah or instead of allah qala allah ta'ala evidence allah the exalted says inna allah la yaghfiru an yushraka bih allah does not forgive that a partner is associated to him he does not forgive shirk associating partners to allah is not forgiven by allah anything below that any sin lesser than shirk he will forgive what he wants to whom he wants for whom he wants now sahaba were mushrikeen <laughs> yeah did Allah forgive them or not? So Allah says he will not forgive. We have a problem. Allah says I will not forgive shirk. Sahaba were mushrikeen. Not all of them, but majority were mushrikeen. Quraysh and uh, Sahaba that were in Medina. Were mushrikeen. How did Allah forgive them? When Allah says, لا يغفر أن يشرك به. Verily, Allah does not forgive shirk. Hmm? 
repent, yes. He does not forgive shirk for the one who dies on shirk. If you're living, Allah will forgive even shirk. Yes? You've committed shirk, but you turn to Allah and say, Allah, I committed shirk. I accept uh, that you have no partner. Then Allah will forgive. This is, if a person dies on shirk, guaranteed, Allah Azza wa says, He will not forgive it. Why? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ الشِّرْكَ لَظُلْمٌ عَظِيمٌ Shirk is a great injustice. And Allah is just. And He will not forgive a great injustice. And this injustice is done towards Allah. Drink alcohol, commit zina is injustice against yourself. You're not harming Allah in any way. Even in shirk, you're not harming Allah in any way. But when you're committing sins because of your, uh, you are inclined towards them due to your personal pleasure, it is different where you accept Allah and you commit the sin. That is different to the person who denies Allah, who associate partners to Allah. This is great injustice. And Allah will not forgive it. And this is even in human human law and experience the punishment for treason is what until very recently and actually till today in some countries and states the punishment for treason is what death we can't help you sorry you know there is no coming back from that everything else what and the human rights are fighting and saying this, that, or what have you, imprisonment and uh, different ways, penalties and fines and what have you. But what? Treason is so great a sin towards the state that the state is not prepared to forgive it. They can forgive everything else. They will forgive you uh, if, if you uh, have uh, done things with taxes and you repay it. Okay, no problem, we'll forgive you. You stole something, you stole a bank, Bank of England. No problem, give it back or do your sentence and you're free. But treason is not forgiven. Um, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, What is treason in comparison to what? What is treason in comparison to denying Allah what, is, what He is due? He created you and gave you life and provision your intellect and place signs around you and then you use this intellect and these signs whilst taking the provision breathing his oxygen drinking his water eating his produce and you say you don't exist إنه من يشرك بالله فقد حرم الله عليه الجنة ومأواه النار. These are examples of the warnings. First example, Allah will not forgive shirk. Second example, shirk is a great injustice. Third example, verily the one who commits shirk with Allah, associate partners to Allah, فقد حرم الله عليه الجنة. Verily Allah has made paradise forbidden for that person. And that person's abode is hellfire. And then Allah says, وَمَا لِلظَّالِمِينَ مِنْ أَنصَارِ 
the unjust will have no helpers. Why? Because shirk is a great injustice. So now he explains and he says, the one who commits shirk, associate partners with Allah, this is the great shirk, the major shirk in worship. ثُمَّ مَاتَ مُشْرِكًا and dies in a state of shirk. He will enter hellfire. He was. He will. He is considered to be from the dwellers of hellfire. Qat'an. Qat'an means that this is clearly evidenced from the Quran beyond any doubt or ambiguity. Very clear verses, right? They call it Qat'an. Very clear. There's no two ways about it. And actually, if anybody denies that, they come out of Islam. If somebody says, no, no, Mushrik, you know, Allah is going to forgive everyone at the end. And what's the point? You know, sometimes we take Allah and we place ourselves at the same level of Allah. And we become too intellectual for our own good. What is the point of punishing people eternally? You know, Allah is going to forgive everyone at the end. Everybody is going to go paradise. Ya Allah, the Quran says, فَقَدْ حَرَّمَ اللَّهِ Jannah is forbidden for that person. وَمَأْوَاهُ النَّارِ كما أن من آمن بالله ومات مؤمنا فهو من أصحاب الجنة. This similarly, he said the ones who believe in Allah and die in a state of iman, then that person is from the dwellers of paradise, guaranteed. The question is, will he enter paradise at the beginning, or will he have to be punished and then enter paradise? That is questionable, and that. Is reserved to the judgment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the mu'min guaranteed paradise. Now the fear is that alhamdulillah we are mu'mineen today. Or should we say believers today? Who guarantees that you will remain on your iman until you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? This is the striving. Nobody has a guarantee. Rasulullah said, Ya Fatima. I cannot help you, his daughter. I cannot help you on the day of judgment. Do what you need to do. Rely on your actions. Rely on your efforts. Likewise, the believer does not just, you know, become complacent. Alhamdulillah, we are mu'min. This is shaitan playing with you. Right? Committing major sins. Breaking the commands of Allah Azza wa Jal. Not fulfilling the obligations, and the person says, Oh, inshallah, we're mu'min, we're going to enter paradise. When Sahaba radiallahu anhu, majma'in, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, he says, If I was informed and if I knew that mankind, all of mankind is entering paradise except for one, I would fear that that is me. This is fear. And if I knew that all of mankind is going to hellfire except one person, then I would think, I would hope that are, that is me. Uh, saved from hellfire. So, shirk will not be forgiven, great injustice, and anyone who dies on shirk will not enter paradise. And in the Sahih Hadith, it is narrated that Rasulullah said, أَلَا أُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِأَكْبَرِ الْكَبَائِرِ Should I not inform you of the worst of the major sins? 
the worst of the major sins this tells us that what major sins have different levels some are higher and some are uh, considered bigger um, and some are considered smaller so Rasulullah said should I not inform you of the worst major sins once then he said should I not inform you of the worst major sins twice then he said should I not inform you of the worst major sins this is what to do what why does Rasulullah repeat himself uh, emphasis and draw attention listen this is something important now and this was the habit of Rasulullah that he would Aisha says that when Rasulullah spoke he spoke slowly clearly and he would often repeat himself and this is how Sahaba were able to memorize and write down also his teachings they said Ya Rasulullah absolutely please inform us number one associating partners to Allah you know sometimes myself huh, you read this and it's, alhamdulillah we are talking about shirk we're believers I've been praying for 30 years I've gone to hajj I have no fear of shirk Rasulullah who was what the leader of messengers would say in his dua, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika an ushrika bika shay'an wa ana a'lamuh wa astaghfiru kalimana a'lamuh. That, oh Allah, I seek refuge in you, that I associate a partner to you whilst knowing. Rasulullah he knows the greatness of this major sin and how it is despised by Allah, that he asks protection from it himself. Who was, who was sent to erase shirk. <laughs> Rasulullah was sent to what? To erase shirk. And to bring people out from shirk to tawheed and belief in Allah. He raises his hands and he says, Ya Allah, please do not allow me to commit shirk whilst I know it. And if I do not know and I do something that is considered as shirk, then forgive me for it. al ishraku billah associating partners with Allah disobedience of parents major sin why why have they been mentioned together in, in negating Allah mentioned them together in commanding Allah says Worship Allah, don't associate partners to him and be kind to your parents. So in commanding he said, Allah, parents. And in forbidding he said, don't associate partners with Allah, do not disobey parents. What is the reason? Huh? They're both quite strong, ungrateful. It shows the consistency of the message consistency of the message very good you you put it in better words than I would have said Allah is what is just he says do not deny me the fact that I brought you into existence I created you I provided you and if you are un uh, disobedient to your parents you are denying them what the fact that after Allah they were the means they raised you they cared for you 
They provided for you. They educated you. If you are going to be disobedient to them and they are before your eyes and you are emotionally attached to them, how will you not disobey Allah? If you deny them, you will deny Allah. Disobedience of parents. And when Rasulullah was saying this hadith, he was leaning. You know, he was leaning, you know, against the wall or something. Fajalasa. So he sat. Often Rasulullah would do this again to do what? Emphasis. Thaqala. Ala wa qawla zuri Ala wa shahadata zuri Ala wa qawla zuri Ala wa shahadata zuri Fama zala yukarriruha Hatta qulna laytahu sakat Ala wa qawla zuri False statement The worst of the major sins Wa shahadata zuri Testifying to false statement you know somebody has made false statement in court and you come and testify, yes, I am witness. <laughs> Both of these. The worst of major sins. After associating partners with, with Allah and disobeying the parents, why? Again, consistency of message, why? Because you are doing injustice. Either through the false statement or by being a witness of the truthfulness of the false statement, you are standing in the face of justice and Allah revealed the Sharia and sent messengers to establish justice. That is the purpose of deen, is to establish justice. So Rasulullah sat and the Sahabi said, he continued to repeat it, to warn people. Allah wa zur Allah wa zur Beware, beware of the false testimony false statement and testimony or witnessing of a false statement he repeated it until we said you know we wish he'd just become quiet why do they wish he becomes quiet did they have enough of his fear. Huh? the fear of what no it seems to me wallahu a'lam that this statement is because the more Rasulullah repeated it, the more he... Mm, because Rasulullah would become emotional in, in his delivery and warning people. Right? And so when you're repeating something and you emphasize, what happens is that your tone becomes... And it shows what? That you have a lot of pain inside you, a lot of concern. That's why you are repeating and emphasizing. So Sahaba can feel that. And they say, we wish that we've understood. We wish that he would not put himself through so much trouble. رضي الله عنهم أجمعين. وقال صلى الله عليه وسلم أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم said السبع الموبقات refrain from the seven heinous sins فذكر منها الشرك بالله he mentioned the shirk associating partners to Allah and that رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم said مَنْ بَدَّلَ دِينَهُ فَاقْتُلُوهُ The one who changes his religion after Islam is to be killed. There is a capital punishment and this is a general statement that has many specifics. Many. 
It's not just a case of person was Muslim and rejected Islam, that person is going to be killed. That is not the case, right? Um, there are specifics to this um, found that I don't want to go in uh, detail about, uh, but it is mentioned in the book and it is a hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and we have no problem with the hadith of Rasulullah even if the entire universe says this is injustice and where is the freedom of choice we say everybody is free and Allah gave that freedom right Allah gave that freedom um, Surah Al-Kahf that we recite every Friday whoever wants to believe believe and whoever wants to disbelieve disbelieve but there are reasons for which Rasulullah has uh, uh, taught this and this capital punishment as we said there are reasons for it and specifics it is not uh, just a general statement uh, to be applied um, without uh, the the conditions so he has dealt now with the first part or the first category the first type of shirk where a person as associates a partner to Allah in worship and also when a person does what denies Allah completely and worships something other than Allah what we would like to touch on here before we move on because the next part is riya is he says aw nabiyyin aw shaykhin so with in relation to nabi we know what he means right that uh, you know, Allah on the day of Qiyamah, look, associating partner to Allah is such a major sin that Allah will question Isa alayhi salam about it. In the end of Surah Al-Ma'idah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِذْ قَالَ اللَّهُ يَا عِيسَى بْنَ مَرْيَمَ أَأَنْتَ قُلْتَ لِلنَّاسِ اتَّخِذُونِي وَأُمِّيَ إِلَهَيْنِ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ Allah will bring Isa alayhi salam to judgment who is one of the five Ulul Azm min al-Rusul. So 300 and odd prophets or messengers that brought a Sharia, out of them five are selected. Nuh, Ibrahim, Musa, Isa, Muhammad. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ala jami'in anbiya wa mursaleen. Isa alayhi salam will be brought in the court of Allah. These are words of Quran, verses. Allah concludes Surah Al-Ma'idah with these verses. He says, Allah will gather messengers. Messengers in general will be asked, did you convey the message? Allah is just. Right? He knows they conveyed the message. He knows the sacrifices they went through to convey the message. But Allah will bring them and question them. Allah Azza wa Jal says, we will surely ask those who received the message and we will surely ask those who were given the message to convey. So Allah will ask Nuh, convey, did you convey the message? Yes, Allah conveyed the message. Then he will ask the people of Nuh, did he convey the message? Those who disbelieved, they said, no, Ya Allah, we didn't get any message. <laughs> Allah says, the nature of the human being, deceiver, jahul, 
He says, يَوْمَ يَبْعَثُهُمُ اللَّهُ جَمِيعًا فَيَحْلِفُونَ لَهُ كَمَا يَحْلِفُونَ لَكُمْ وَيَحْسَبُونَ أَنَّهُمْ عَلَى شَيْءٍ On the day of judgment, some people will seek to swear that they did not receive the message. Allah says, they will swear to me like they swear to you. And they think they, are, they have what? They have evidence. And they have made an argument for themselves. Verily they are the, the liars. So Allah will say to the, to, to the people of Nuh, did you, uh, did you receive his message? No, Ya Allah, we did not. Nuh, to see the justice of Allah. And how, if this is going to be this, the state of Anbiya, how are we going to be judged? What will we say? Nuh, your people have denied. Who is your evidence? What is your evidence? Now, because Allah is judging, He can say, Ya Allah, you are my, you are the evidence. But because Allah is judging, right? Nuh salam will say, Who are the witnesses? Who? Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is why Allah Azza wa says, Surah Nuh, Surah Hud. He mentions Anbiya alayhi salam by name. Who are your witnesses? Ya Rasulullah, the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah Azza wa says, وَتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ عَلَى النَّاسِ You will testify against previous nations on the day of Qiyamah. O Ummah of Muhammad, did Nuh convey the message? Yes, Ya Allah, he conveyed the message. How do you know? You revealed it in the Quran. Now all Anbiya have to go through this. But Isa السلام, has to go through a special questioning. Ya Isa, Ya Isa ibn Maryama, O Isa son of Maryam, did you ask of people to worship you and your mother? other than Allah. Did you say to people? Did you command people? In the Quran, Allah denies it. He said, it is not possible. It is unconceivable that a person is given a message by Allah and he comes to the world and to the people of this world and says, worship me and my mother other than Allah. Allah is making a case for Isa in the Quran. But on the day of Qiyamah, he will question him. Did you say to people, take me and my mother as gods other than Allah? Glory be to you. You are above this. How can I make such statement and such claim? It, is, it was not appropriate for me to say that which I have no knowledge of. And then he will say, he will make his case. In kuntu qultuhu faqad alimtah. If I did, in fact, command them to worship me and my mother other than Allah, then you would know it. Ta'lamu ma fi nafsi. You know that which is within me. Wala a'lamu ma fi nafsik. And I do not know that which is within you. Innaka anta allamul ghuyub. Verily, you are the knower of the unseen. ما قلت لهم إلا ما أمرتني به. I only conveyed your message. 
I only commanded them with what you commanded me with. مَا قُلْتُ لَهُمْ I did not say to them except that which you commanded me with. مَا قُلْتُ لَهُمْ What is the, the verse? إِن كُنْتُ قُلْتُهُ فَقَدْ عَلِمْتَهُ تَعْلَمُ مَا فِي نَفْسِي وَلَا أَعْلَمُ مَا فِي نَفْسِكِ إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ عَلَّامُ الْغُيُوبِ مَا قُلْتُ لَهُمْ مَا قُلْتُ لَهُمْ the verse is, uh, I did not command them except for Worship Allah, who is my Lord and your Lord. I was a witness uh, against them for as long as I was living with them. I could see that what they are doing. Meaning in my lifetime, had they taken me as a God other than you, then I would have denied it and rejected it. But they did not do it in my lifetime. When you removed me from the world, you're the one who saw what they did. This is outside of my control. Then Allah will say, Allah will testify to his truthfulness. This is the day when the truthful will benefit through the truthfulness. So this shows the greatness of this sin. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from all forms of shirk. As Rasulullah taught us to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, oh Allah, we ask you to protect us from such shirk that we know of and we seek forgiveness for that which we do not know so we said that he mentioned Nabi and then he says Aw Shaykhin Aw Shaykhin Shaykhin is what? to associate a Shaykh with Allah is there anybody in their right mind who worships Shaykh? is there? nobody nobody <laughs> worships Shaykh. They say we worship Allah, but then they give the Shaykh something that is only, that belongs only to Allah. The Shaykh has the ability to take a person to hellfire. The Shaykh has the ability to take a person to paradise. The Shaykh is able, has the ability to give. The Shaykh has the ability to take. This is where it becomes problematic. Having a sheikh, absolutely. Have a sheikh. Sahaba had sheikh. Rasulullah was their sheikh. Yes? Everyone should have a guide. Because the person who does not have a guide, he has what? Shaytan and his nafs as his guide. So absolutely you need to have a sheikh. That will do what? Will guide you. And to have a personal connection with uh, somebody that you think is righteous, this is good. And this will be a means of guidance bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. However, then to elevate that person, Rasulullah said, do not elevate me to a level that I am not deserving of. He said, say, Abdullahi wa Rasuluh. I am the servant of Allah and his messenger. This is what I am entitled to. Do not go beyond that. Likewise, the Shaykh has his level. This is their level. Some uh, 
you know, without, we will all know what I mean when I say it, but some have attributed to Imams that which Anbiya do not have. That an Imam knows the Ghaib, he knows the unseen, shirk, major shirk. This is not minor shirk. Why? You've given him something that belongs only to Allah. Allah says, Inna Allah he named himself that he knows the unseen and the seen so you've taken that and you've given it to another human being regardless of how pious they are we have no problem with you to say that this is a righteous person and we think they are going to enter paradise and all of this absolutely but then you say that they know ghaib? You cannot even make that claim to about Rasulullah Quran says, Say to people, if I had access, total access to the knowledge of ghaib, the unseen, then I would get many good things. And I would never be harmed. Is there anyone in his right mind that has access to ghaib and can see that if I take this path, I'm going to fall and trip and fall and take that path? If Rasulullah had access to ghaib, he would do what? Protect himself from all evil. Yet we know Rasulullah went to war. Uh, they, they attempted to assassinate him. They poisoned him. They... Uh, put a spell on him and he suffered a great deal sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and then these people say what because there is a verse in the Quran and look how shaitan will play with people's minds there is a verse of the Quran that says I do not know the unseen they say no no this is just you know tawadu' Allah telling Rasulullah to be modest or some claim that Rasulullah is created from light. Allahu Akbar. He is light. Does anybody have any uh, question about that? Allah says, Sirajan Munira. You are a guiding light, not only a light, a guiding light. But he is human. He was born, he flesh and blood and bones Rasulullah bled he lost his tooth how can you then claim that he is created from light you have done what you have take, taken him to a level that is not that is not his Allah created angels from light not Rasulullah he is a light he is a spiritual light absolutely but a human. So when you say to them that well Allah Rasulullah says himself, say I am a human like you, say no no, this is just for modesty and tawadu. <laughs> and these are examples of what? That when Allah wants to misguide someone, remember Allah does not misguide someone unjustly. When a per person takes the path of misguidance, Allah says, you chose the path of misguidance, 
I will allow you to continue there. Not only that, I will open the doors for you if that is the path that you want to take. So we have to be careful that neither can we elevate Rasulullah to a status that he does not deserve. The status he deserves, he is what? The Prophet, Messenger of Allah, the servant of Allah, the leading of the messengers, the leader of all messengers, the leader of all the children of Adam. And because Allah honored Adam and his offspring, then Rasulullah is the leader of all the creation of Allah. Evidenced by that on the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it is written, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. No one else has been given this closeness to Allah. But he remains there. He does not have the knowledge of ghaib. Likewise, the Shaykh, absolutely he is a saint from what you see, follows the Sunnah, worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, has the character of Rasulullah and kindness. Uh, but do not elevate him. And there are two categories here. One is that a person was a great Shaykh and he dies like Isa alayhi salam. And people start to invent things. He's this, he's that. Let us go to his grave. He's going to give you this and protect you from that. Where a sheikh himself is not responsible of that. He's not responsible for that. He did not command people to do it. And then there is a worst. We should not even call them sheikh. The people who claim for themselves. <laughs> they claim for themselves. Yeah, yes, I was... I traveled, prayed in Medina, subhanAllah. <laughs> huh? Yes, say my heart went there, my ruh went there, absolutely. But you're, you're sat in front of us, how can you? Huh? You've become what? You're doing Isra and Mi'raj? It's even worse when somebody claims things. Yeah? People, people are fooled because of lack of knowledge. They go to a sheikh, he says, yes, I am in contact with angels. Nobody has access to angels. Nobody can establish contact with angels. If that person thinks they are contacting angels, they are only contacting shayateen. <laughs> yes. So when a person makes these claims, unfortunately, the people who do not have the basic understanding, they fall victim to this. Why? Because they see this person, mashallah, he prays and he has great knowledge and, you know, he good, good, good character and outwardly he presents himself in a good way. But this leads them to shirk. And this is why it is important to do what? Because you, you can't say, well, these people, you know, uh, well, Allah will forgive them. They did not know. No, they have to know the major sins. This is why we are learning and teaching. Uh, this subject in order to uh, uh, understand it and protect ourselves from it. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Next week, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala, if we live and Allah permits, we'll look at the second category and group of shirk, which is al-riyah. Jazakumullah khairan.